this morning, I've entitled my message, The Ultimate Cure. You know, when you think of COVID, COVID-19, um, what are we looking for? We are looking for a cure. But I want to say to you that this passage we're going to go to, um, the early church saw only one ultimate cure for humanity. And that was Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to focus on that a little bit. You see, that's quite plain and simple, Andrew. You can say it in one sentence and sit down. Well, I'll try to say it in 20 minutes. All right? Look at Acts chapter 4 with me, please. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I'm going to read a little bit to give some context to what I'm trying to say. And I want you to listen to this great man of God, Peter. And through him, I want us to get to this place where we understand this idea, this philosophy, this theology, this mindset that the early church had about the name of Jesus Christ. All right? It came to pass on the next day. I'm reading Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 13. It came to pass on the next day. I'll tell you about the next day when I talk about the context of this passage. It came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. Basically, the who's who of the religious uh, sector uh, in Jerusalem. When they had set them in the midst, they asked, the, the them there is Peter and John, who had just done uh, an amazing, uh, saw an amazing miracle done through their prayers. When they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? I want you to keep that in your, in your mind. By what power have you done this? By what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This passage of scripture, I want to use this to, for us to reflect and see what, what the name Jesus Christ meant to the early church. And what did it mean when they used that name everywhere they went? They proclaimed that name, they prayed in that name, and they cast out demons in that name. And what did that name mean to them in the early church? All right? That's my focus this morning. The importance of knowing the answer to this question, by what power, by what name do you do what you do? Why is it critical for us? We have decided to get out there on Monday morning and do church with the people around us. We have decided everywhere we go, from Monday to Sunday, we are saying church is not on Sunday. Forget about church on Sunday, right? But please do come. <laughs> 
Forget about church on Sunday and start thinking of church from Sunday to Saturday. All right? So when we finish this one hour together, and we go out there, we have a cup of tea together, we say goodbye, we go home. Church has begun. And everywhere we go, the people we come in contact with, at home or away, that's your congregation. You are ministers of the Lord, and you have a large, a much larger congregation than I have. Your congregation is 200,000 maybe? Well, what's the population of Tarangam, brother? Anybody? 130,000 people. That's our congregation. That's a large church to pastor. And you are shepherding them. All right? And so my, my point I'm making is this question, by what power or by what name do you go out there and do that? By what power do you go and see somebody who's crying? Get alongside them. By what power do you pray with them? By what power do you talk to them? By what power when you go to work and you see these people who have built walls around them, even though they are struggling and they are shattered and they are broken, by what power do we come into close contact with them and try and share the gospel of Jesus, the love of Christ to them? By what power do you do what you do? In what name do you go out every morning? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. So the context is, here is Peter and John. Woke up one morning going to the synagogue to pray. And as they walk to the synagogue, right, they see this man who is lame. And he's been begging in the beautiful gate. All for, for, for probably most of Peter and John's life going in and out of the temple. All right? So they're going there. They see this. And... Um, Sabrin brought out this beautifully uh, last Sunday. Uh, if you missed it, go online. Listen to his message. All right? So this is the question Peter looks at him. And Peter says this peculiar, peculiar sentence. Silver and gold I do not have. Because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for silver and gold. right? Because he needs silver and gold. Because he has no opportunity to work. right? So he says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Right? Silver and gold I do not have. Isn't it interesting, when we go out there on Monday morning, we tend to focus on what we do not have. Especially when you see the needs out there. Right? You see the homeless. How are we going to solve that problem? Because we're focusing on what we do not have. We see the brokenhearted. How do we solve this problem? We do not have. We pray for Rachel sometimes, you know, and people who are um, uh, desperately asking us, church, pray for us, pray for us, right? And you look at that and you say, you focus on what you do not have, right? I, 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 I journey with um, a few, three men now, all right, who are just battling, battling with um, dementia. It's a deep struggle for them. Some, you know, all three of them, very active men. Um, it's easy to focus on what I do not have. When I sit next to them and I have a conversation with them, I do not have. I do not have any answer. I do not have any fix. And we have a tendency in society today, we want a quick fix. You know, if only we could have microwave answers to prayers, right? Set it to a minute and then when the ding comes, you know it's ready. 
you know? And okay, maybe some things may take five minutes, but that's the maximum we have time for, a five-minute quick meal, right? When the ding comes in five minutes, it's ready. But prayer is not like that, is it? And so we tend to focus sometimes, especially when you, uh, it takes longer in our prayers, when it, we're not seeing answers to our prayers, we tend to focus on what we do not have. We tend to focus on what has not happened. We tend to focus on um, behaviors, outward um, circumstances, all right? And so here is Paul, or Peter, saying to the man, I'm not going to focus on what I do not have. All right? I don't have silver and gold, but this is what I do have, and I'm going to focus on what I have. And what did he have? He says to the man, I have with me the name of Jesus Christ. For him, what's that going to do? That's not going to help me in pack and save. Right? Oh, give me, give me the name, you know? But he would soon find out what that name represented. All right? He says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man was healed. He suddenly realized he, was, he encountered the person behind the name. All right? So this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about this. Um, the distinction between resources available on earth and the resources available supernaturally through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right? Look at Acts 3.16. Um, Peter says this, And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So he was, he was saying to the crowd that was questioning him, by what power, by what power right, are you doing this in his name? through faith in his name. That's what happened, right? In verse uh, 7 of chapter 4, when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power, what name have you done this? So I want to ask you, what's in a name? Shakespeare wrote this in uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yes, I sometimes read some of this stuff. I'm quite educated, you know. <laughs> Shakespeare said this, all right? What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. What he's saying, doesn't matter what you call a rose. A rose will always be a rose and a rose will always smell as sweet. You can call it a lily, even though it's a rose, it will still smell like a rose. You can call it um, whatever you want. A rose will always be a rose and will always smell like a rose. Right? So it's not about the name you give to the rose. It's the flower that pro produces the fragrance. That's what makes it a rose. What's in a name? Nothing really. It's the person behind the name that makes the name. It's Jesus Christ, the person that makes that name in all its power and in all its wealth. Right? And so I want to say to you, Saying the name of Jesus is not a mantra, right? It's the person behind the name that we pray. When we say in the name of Jesus, we are in invoking this belief that we have, that this person, Jesus Christ, is all-powerful. And I'm going to read some scriptures to you as I bring the message to a close this morning. It's the person behind the name. So who is this person behind the name Jesus, right? 
I notice in chapter 4, verse 10 and 12, two things that you see is the mindset of Peter, and we can assume is the mindset of the early church regarding who they believed Jesus Christ was. Right? First thing in chapter 10 it says, Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you all. Right? First thing is, they believed that Jesus Christ had ultimate control over human condition. That's why they approached the man. They truly believed Jesus Christ had ultimate control over every human condition. That's why the early church was motivated to pray. That's why they prayed. That's why they spent much of their time as a church in prayer. You know, whether they were in small groups, whether they were in two or three, whether they were as a church in the gathering, they prayed. The reason why they prayed, because they truly believed that this person, Jesus Christ, that they now believed in, and they now worshipped, right? This Jesus had full and ultimate control over every human condition. The second thing they believed in is in verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The second thing they believed about Jesus Christ was he had ultimate control over human destiny. No other religion, no other religious order, no government, no other person, no king had control over human destiny. Jesus Christ had supreme control over human destiny. So these two things governed the way they lived their lives on a Monday morning. They believed truly that Jesus Christ had total ultimate control over human condition and they believed that Jesus Christ had ultimate control over human destiny. So what's the importance of knowing this person behind the name, right? In verse 13 of that chapter, and this is very significant, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. You see, Peter and John had not gone through any formal religious training. They didn't go through seminary. They didn't have a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD in in the Old Testament. And so they they were... actually amazed that Peter could stand up there and preach um, the way he was speaking, all right, and command the crowd. Because on that day, 5,000 people came to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? This is his second sermon. His first sermon, 3,000 people get saved. His second sermon, 5,000. Mine, if you're a preacher, you'd be feeling very small reading the the last few chapters of Acts, right? Um, But when they saw it, they marveled, and look at what they realized. They realized that they had been with Jesus. That's the only explanation they had. This, This anointing that came upon them, this ability to heal a lame man, And then to stand up and preach and 5,000 people get convicted about their uh, 
and influenced 5,000 people to believe along with them, right? They said, the only explanation is they had been with Jesus. You see, it's one thing to believe who Jesus is. Believing it here and able to, t- and able to have all the ideas of studying Christology, studying uh, the, the biblical basis of who Jesus Christ is, and able to say what you believe about who Jesus Christ is, all right? That's not enough. You have to experience the man. Jesus. You have to experience the God, Jesus. You have to experience who Jesus Christ is. You have to encounter Jesus Christ and then be with him. Have an, have an intimate relationship with this person that you are using his name to see the change and shifts for our community out there. On Monday morning, when you leave, and you leave by the power and the name of Jesus Christ, your Savior, make sure you have been with him before you get out there. They, were, they had been with Jesus. I want to say this, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. There are no second-hand experience. You cannot experience your father's or your mother's um, encounters with Jesus. You must have your own personal encounter with Jesus Christ, right? I, I, um, I, I'm going to close. Trust me. But you, you know, remember the story of the sons of Sceva? These things were going on, and everybody was noticing the power of the early church as they prayed in the name of Jesus. Healings happened as they prayed in the name of Jesus. What's happening here? Hello? I've lost, I've lost some sound. Are we good? As they prayed, as they prayed uh, for the name of Jesus, as they prayed in the name of Jesus, they started seeing healings happen. They started seeing deliverance happen. You know, they started, um, and so people all around them were very amazed. And so some of those who were ministering in the, uh, the old ways, who didn't believe in Jesus, started using the name of Jesus. See if that happens. See if that works out, right? And one group was the sons of Skiva who went around. Some of these, they, they were priests, trying to use that name as a mantra. All right. And so they were they, these. This group. And so in chapter 19, we see them saying, "We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches." <laughs> How's that for um, Jesus twice removed? You know, we got cousins twice removed. They had Jesus twice removed. They didn't know Jesus personally, and, but they thought, well, let's use this name that Paul is using and seeing some miraculous things that were going on, right? Um, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> and they beat, the evil spirits beat these fellas up and they were running out naked, you know? I think... That's what I'm trying to say here. Folks, these men and women of the early church, they knew Jesus Christ. They were with him. They abided in him. He abided in them. They had an intimate relationship with the person Jesus Christ. That's why when they went out in their workplaces, to their construction sites, to their accounting firms, to their wherever you're going, the bus stations, right? Wherever you are, 
they carried this intimacy with Jesus Christ the person that when they used the name of Jesus Christ this intimacy that they had with Jesus all right came through and the power of that name came through as well to know the power of Jesus name we need to know the person Jesus Christ and so I want to leave you with this I'm saying Jesus is the ultimate cure this next can I give you give me three minutes I'm going to read you some scriptures about Jesus the ultimate cure it's in your um, notes with you all right so every time you use this name every time you pray I encourage you to pray in the name of Jesus every time you pray for the sick pray in the name of Jesus every time you command and you declare something declare it in the name of Jesus why because let me show you some scriptures that backs the power of that name right he is the ultimate authority Matthew 28:18 all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth the name of Jesus is comes from the person who has ultimate authority right he is the ultimate salvation you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God he is the ultimate access to God Jesus said to him I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me he is the ultimate key to answered prayer and whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask anything in my name I will do it he is the ultimate defense from demonic oppression the 70 returned and said Lord even the de- demons are subject to us in your name finally he is the ultimate healer is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus and then of course it says that the prayer of the faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up next time you pray pray the name of Jesus next time you declare something declare it in the name of Jesus next time you proclaim and I'm not saying when you talk to people say I'm speaking to you now in the name of Jesus don't be weird Right? Weirdness is not going to save any soul. Right? But I'm saying to you, when you walk out on Monday morning, answer that question before you leave. By what power do you leave today? By what name do you walk out and do your daily life? Right? It's this name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority. Jesus Christ is the ultimate savior. Jesus Christ is the ultimate access to God. Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer to all our prayers. Jesus Christ is the ultimate protection from demonic oppression. Jesus Christ is the ultimate healer and worker of miracles. Jesus Christ is truly the ultimate cure for this broken world. You better... You better believe it. Let's pray.